for listening to the Be Healthy Naturally podcast, episode number 26. Welcome to the best 20 minutes of natural health education and enlightenment on the web today. This is the Be Healthy Naturally podcast. Knowledge, empower, and elevate are the keys to living a happy, healthy life. With your hosts, often known as the dynamic duo, Dr. Shane Watt, a chiropractic physician, and Liz Watt, a holistic wellness expert. We bring our knowledge and education together to create a new way of thinking to elevate your life and your health. In order for you to live your best life, you have to elevate your learning. We want to welcome Lisa Ann De Garcia out to the podcast today. She owns Child Whole Child Learning and Wellness. So welcome, Lisa. And can you tell us a little bit more about what Whole Child Learning and Wellness is? Well, thank you for having me. Um, whole Child Learning and Wellness, basically, um, I work with children who struggle in, uh, with learning and behavior. And it started because I'm a longtime educator. I taught in the schools for 25 years. I'm also a mom of three boys, each with their own issues. I have a 19-year-old autistic son, a 21-year-old with ADD. So I've worked with children who struggle for a really long time. And the last seven years when I was teaching, I was uh, actually in Japan teaching in uh, the military base, um, the American school uh, kids. And I was working with kids who struggle. So I spent the whole seven years like researching everything that was out there trying to figure out like what makes a child struggle, you know, who struggles tick. Why do I, I was a math specialist. So why is the math specialist and the reading specialist and the OT, why is this kid being serviced by so many kids? And because most of the time the kids I was working with, their real issue wasn't math. It was something much more fundamental. So I spent pretty much the whole seven years uh, researching every program that was out there, becoming certified in a bunch of things, including brain gym and um, primitive reflex integration and um, uh, listening program, all, a whole bunch of different things. So I left the schools because I realized that if you really want to help children in the way they need to be helped, you can't do it in the schools, unfortunately. And I was doing a lot of things with kids kind of under the radar like in secret or whatever. So I realized I needed to leave to be able to try to help get to the root issues of what was going on. And with my experience as a parent, because my we've been on this journey as a family since, you know, for almost 20 years, I also knew that the uh, diet nutrition was a um, huge component too. And so when I was studying, I learned like in brain gym or kinesiology or that side or um, uh, sensory motor integration or OT type of things. Most people either uh, studied or um, let's say they use that approach or their people are on the functional medicine side and just using the, the nutrition approach. But I got certifications on both sides so I could understand really everything that a child needs in order to uh, develop their brain. And basically that was my goal is just to figure out how to, uh, how to help balance and develop the, their brain. I like to think of brain development like using an iceberg model. Um, and you think of the part that is sticking up over the water. That's the part that you can see from the child. You see their behavior, the academics that the child is able 
to produce. Um, but if you think about the whole iceberg in the water, um, if, if you think about that as the brain and the brain development in the water, the, the water is what I consider like the, the nourishment, the nutrition and the environment, the part that um, supports the brain and the, the part that nourishes the brain. And then as the, ice, as the brain grows, we have the brain grows basically in a simplistic fashion from the brainstem up to the frontal cortex. Uh, a little, the baby's brain is born complete, but it's just not completely connected. So when I think of um, the nutrition and the environment, that is so critical. And that's where the functional diagnostic nutrition um, that I'm certified, I'm a practitioner for that. That's using functional medicine, lab testing, to come up with um, good protocols for diet and lifestyle um, changes because a lot of these kids who struggle, they eat junk, they, um, they have, um, there's just, there's some lifestyle habits that need to be changed, but a lot of them need very uh, specific, either specific foods they need to avoid, specific foods they need to eat, or um, supplementation. And then when you're talking about linking up the brain, that's where I use things like um, brain gem, primitive reflex integration, and my very new addition that I'm really excited about is I'm using the Neurogen HPN uh, neurofeedback machine, um, which um, I'm really excited. I just started that a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, we do neurofeedback in our office. It can be very effective. Yeah, so it's a uh, microcurrent neurofeedback. It's not the traditional, so I'm really excited about oh, okay. that. Okay. And one thing he has noticed that in order for it to work the best, the neurofeedback is you have to incorporate all aspects, nutrition and things like that is very important when you are doing the neurofeedback. I just yeah. think we get the best results. So let's step back a little bit, just a little bit about you then. So you were a teacher, you taught both in public school and then you taught military for the last for 20 something years. Well, that was public school. Yeah, it was a uh public school on the military base. Uh -huh. Right, right. Okay. Um, did you teach here in Utah for a lot of that or no? I'm actually here in Utah. So I'm from California. Okay. And then when I moved to Utah and I actually taught in the teacher ed program. So I was a teacher trainer. I was oh. at BYU. I was teaching at BYU for four years in uh, math. Uh, I was teaching math methods. So um, okay. elementary teachers. And then I moved to Japan and then I just moved back like a year ago. Go through some of the things that you're talking about because like a lot of people don't realize when you say you've mentioned like brain gym, most mm -hmm. people don't know what that is. So explain some of the things that you do. Like you've mentioned a couple of names, but most people don't know what they are. So just take a second and kind of explain what that is and how you use it in, in, the, in, in your practice and what you do. Okay, so the first thing I, um, I mean, everybody's different and every child's different. So it just kind of depends and it kind of depends what the uh, kid wants, but, or the parent. So first with, um, when I'm using like functional diagnostic nutrition, um, I'll, the parent, I'll help the parent um, with some self lab testing. So we might, you know, look at food sensitivity testing or organic acid test or gut test and looking at the different different things in the body that we need to support so we can look at lab testing and then as the parent um you know and then you know it takes some time for those lab tests to come back so as um uh and then once the lab tests are back we can put some protocols and lifestyle and diet and those kind of changes into place and then um if the parent is let's say they bring the child to me like 
um, if I'm working with them in person, then they can bring the child to me, let's say once a week is usually typical. And then, um, so Brain Gym is a educational kinesiology. So it's a um, type, we use movement to help reduce the stressors in the body. So it could be an emotional stress, it can be physical stress, um, structural stress. So a lot of times these kids have very tense muscles. A primitive reflex is a reflex that babies are born with um, in order to help it uh, to learn to move. So to learn to crawl, for example. So there's reflexes that babies do that are in response to stimuli, right? So if a baby is touched on its back, it moves in a certain way. Well, some of these children, these reflexes, by the time a child is six months to a year to even a couple of years, should be integrated and they should no longer take over the, the child's movement patterns. And sometimes they're still part of those movement patterns and, um, and that causes another stress. So you can see sometimes the way the child, you know, if they're a toe walker, in the different, they have different tensions in their body. So some of those tensions are emotional. Some of them are from primitive reflexes. And so um, basically using movements to reduce different stressors um, in the body. And Brain Gym is great in the, it's, it's actually really great also to use in the classroom because you can use it as a whole group setting or you can use it in a really deep, way one-on-one -on -one, which is what i do when i see uh see kids so yeah so because because uh primitive reflexes if they stick around they can be um a detriment to the child as they develop no normal normal development yeah especially in, especially in school you know we a lot of the primitive reflexes um there's some that are associated with that unable to focus and sitting right. still there's some that are associated with um uh, you know, being able to write, um, get their thoughts out. And so there's, so what happens is, is when we work, the primitive reflexes um, live down here in this brainstem, which is why um, they're so important because if the reflexes are unintegrated, that brainstem doesn't mature. And if the brainstem doesn't mature, then we can't get those connections to the limbic system, which is the emotional system or to the frontal cortex which is the executive function, the think and you know, the thinking part of the brain. So when um, kids who struggle, most of them, actually every kid I know that struggles has unintegrated primitive reflexes. And so by helping them to integrate those helps their brainstem to mature and helps them be able to make those connections to the other parts of the brain. So you start off by testing those and then you do things to help them help that. Uh, yeah, or I give them, you know, I give the parents um, homework, you know, okay. like exercises to do on a daily basis. Because if, if I'm seeing a child once a week, I'm going to try to do some deeper, maybe more kinesiology type things that I know. And I'll give the parent, I'll test the reflexes and I'll give the parent maybe some homework to do over um, you know, to integrate on a daily basis because they do exercises to work on the reflexes doesn't just, um, you don't just do them once a week. You really need right. to do them. Until, <laughs> until the person basically doesn't have that reflex any longer. Yeah, basically. And then there's some other ways. So with the Bloomberg Rhythmic Movement Training, that's, um, you know, I teach uh, that methodology uses um, isometric um, integration for the uh, uh, primitive reflexes. So when the child comes to me, I'll use isometric exercises with them, whereas the parent will just use more of the pattern um, exercises that you might um, see 
like if you were to Google it on YouTube, any of the reflexes, you'll see a lot of the exercises. They come out of the IMPP from England and they were designed so children can do them on their own. And those are great also to do in the classrooms. If, you have, if you're a teacher and you're interested in helping your class as a whole integrate their reflexes, there are exercises that you could do as a group too, like on a daily basis. So how could you know if like what, as a parent, how could you know like some of these things that your kids might be struggling with? You think, you know, you're with your kids all the time, so you kind of just get used to their behaviors. What are some red flags or things that could tell us that, that they are struggling with these? Um, so for example, if your child, like if you rub your hand up their back and they're, they're very sensitive, so they have some either like a spinal galon or a spinal prez, you know, some of those tactile, so there's some tactile reflexes. If, you, if they're extremely ticklish on their feet, they shouldn't be ticklish on their feet. So uh, um, sometimes just those, those tactile cues. Also, um, um, even things like if you have a school-aged child and, and they're not crossing the midline, um, I mean, that's not, not necessarily, it's most likely related to reflex, but just the fact that, um, that if a child can't cross the midline, that's a big red flag that there's just, there's going to be an academic issue because the um, two hemispheres are having a hard time. Ex explain what you mean by cross the midline for those people that don't understand what you're saying. So, um, so your midline is here. Right. And down so, the center of your body. So the act like there's a line down the center of your body. Okay. Uh -huh. And so a child should be able to, let's say, reach across this way and grab something. But what oh. you might notice is that a child will either reach just this way or this way and never cross. Or when, so when they're writing, the reason that becomes a problem is because they'll write from this, like their paper might be here, but they'll write from here over. So you'll get that big gap on the other side of the paper because they won't reach over and write across the, you know, so those are the things in school that you'll notice. You'll notice some problems with, with writing. Um, the crossing over is different from what people refer to as the cross crawl, totally different things you're talking about. Well, the cross crawl will help because the problem is, is those two, the two hemispheres aren't working together. Right. We have, you know, one of the reflexes, the ATNR is probably out too, but the cross crawl definitely helps um, get those two hemispheres to work together. Right, right. Yeah. So I want to clarify so that people can understand what you were trying to say in, in terms of the midline. Yeah, so what, what happens is, is they're, if, if, let's say, their right hand, they're not reaching over to the left side of their body at all. They're keeping everything on the, what would be called the ipsy side or the same side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so that way people understand what we're talking about. Okay, excellent. Um, so another thing that you talk about is using things um, like the listening program or the interactive metronome. Do you want to explain those? Yeah, the inter um, the interactive metronome. I used I started using that in when I was uh, teaching um, because I was pulling out small groups. So I would um, what it is is it's a metronome that you have a earphones and you have a computer screen and you have a buzzer that you wear on your hand or like a button thing. And um, when the child hears the beat, they're supposed to clap on the beat. And the computer's giving visual feedback and there's auditory feedback telling you if you're too early, too late, or how on time you are. And also the visual feedback will even give you a number as to how close you are actually on the beat. 
And that is really helpful because the, um, the, uh, the children, I find that, um, I, I've done it with the kids as young as six, but usually the kids who are really struggling, a six-year-old has a little bit of hard time, but even just doing it for one minute is very helpful. But um, kids who struggle in the beginning, they have a very poor timing. So what the metronome does is it helps links a couple different areas of your brain, helps improve the timing. And you don't just, I mean, at first, we just work on the clapping with the two hands but then we can do things, there's a foot pad, so you can work on your feet, you can work, um, you can do the two different sides, of your, um, like you can uh, hit your uh, hand on your leg and your other, you can uh, tap with your other foot. You can do, you can make it more cognitively challenging. Right. Um, um, and also, so just, so just so people realize, basically like a metronome is what people use when they play the piano to keep the beat going right yeah. and so yeah. this is what is called an interactive metronome but basically what you're doing is you can you could actually use one of those at home like that's a cheap inversion of the whole interactive and you just do things according to the beat and it helps stimulate brain function yeah and so in the beginning i um i will often just recommend parents just to use it set it for 54 beats a minute or 60 beats a minute 54 beats a minute um to 60 is about the um rhythm of your heart rate anyway if you're trying, a lot of kids uh, are very rushy, and if we're trying to get them to slow down, just getting them to clap to that slower pace is very helpful. But um, the, the interactive metronome helps teach kids um, uh, to uh, be more accurate with their timing. So a regular metronome, you know, you can tell as a parent if they're very, you know, if they're if they can't clap at all to the beat. But right. once they get closer. The, um, the interactive metronome is more helpful because it's giving you very precise feedback as to how many milliseconds you are off. Um, so anyway, and then- It's a computerized metronome so for people to understand. So it's very specific. It's very much, you know, you, you, can, you can correlate it to different, lots of different things. So it can be very precise on, on getting the exact counts and things of that nature. Yeah, and then I would, um, and then you can do this with the, even with the regu regular metronome, they can still be clapping or tapping and solving a math problem at the same time. And that helps get those other parts of the brains connected um, too. So the more that in the beginning, we're just working on clapping and then we can get uh, more and more complex as time goes on. Yeah, so, now there's so gonna be some pretty cool things just by, it's, it's really amazing how, how sometimes some of these things can be very simple to help. People just don't realize what they can do to be able to help. Uh, when we're talking about some of these things, I wonder what adults are still struggling with this. How, what are the age ranges that you kind of work with and what is the youngest and what is the oldest that you've kind of seen them struggle with some of these things? Well, you know, okay. So I say, you know, whole child learning and wellness because my whole, experience has been, you know, around school age kids. However, like you say, I can work with anybody, you know, is, um, you know, any adult, many adults. In fact, now my children are becoming adults. So, um, and I still work with them. And, and actually the, the older child, um, I, I do work with, you know, kids four or five, but, but really the problem is, is that the children need to be able to participate on some level, and there's sometimes if it's, um, there's some kids that they're just so 
hyperactive or whatever that they just can't sit down for like a second. And so sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to work with them and we need to really start getting on their nutrition and their environment. However, I did just start using the neurofeedback, like I said, with the, it's a microcurrent neurofeedback. So the child doesn't have to do anything. It's very passive. And I did have one four-year-old who was exactly like that. And just after one session, um, like a week later, the parents emailing me and the, the things that the kid normally can't do is now doing. Now he has uh, episodes of really good sense of clarity. They're just seeing so many changes. So I think with the younger children, or do they come into your? Do they come to your office? They come here. Oh, well, I can go with the with the um, neurofeedback. I can go to their house. Right. But with everything else, they come in. Uh, so like with my with my neurofeedback, they watch a movie. What do they do with the microcurrent? Yeah. So with the microcurrent, it's different. So that uh, my kids, actually, my kids were younger. They did um, traditional neurofeedback, so I'm familiar. Um, now with the microcurrent, they don't have to do anything. They can, if the child, if you just want them to get to sit in the chair, as much as I hate iPads or iPods, sometimes that's what we have to use just to get them to sit still for 20 minutes or 30 minutes to do it. But it's um, the computer is putting current, so it's reading it's reading the brain waves, and then it's measuring and it's offsetting the current, and it's putting back in um, a current that's offsetting what it's reading. So the child doesn't have to do anything; um, it's completely passive. So it's oh um, yeah. So that's what we you can do it from zero to a hundred. Like you can do it on an infant. So I mean, they because they don't have to do anything and. Um, or, you know, it's it's safe for everybody, so it's... Interesting, yeah. I'm not familiar with that. I'll have to look into that one. I'm, like I said, we do neurofeedback in our office, but I haven't heard of the microcurrent one. Yeah, so it's, it's, doing a, it's doing the feedback loop um, just by sending in additional impulses, because regular neurofeedback doesn't send any impulses back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, it's your... your um, it's, it's just your, training your brain. Your brain is... Yeah, it's um, retraining, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, this one this one is actually sending the impulses in so um, to correct what's going on and that's why you can you can see um, you can see differences in within you know just one two th you know just a few sessions actually right away people start sleeping better that's the biggest thing is, uh -huh. uh, um, is and then my my oldest son who is uh, severe ADD he um just so we've been doing just for a couple weeks on him maybe like six sessions so i'm asking him okay so what are you noticing now and he goes well my i'm starting um i guess he normally his brain just feels super scattered and he tries to think of one thing and he thinks of like a whole bunch of things all at once and now he's starting to be able to think about kind of one thing at a time so it's changing uh, is this the one you said your oldest one he's on the autistic is that right uh, he's, no my oldest is ADD but my second one my 19 year old oh. autistic okay. yeah okay gotcha gotcha okay so. well we just have a couple minutes left is there anything that anything else that you do that you want to explain a little bit about or things that people might be able to understand a little bit more about what they can do to help their kids that are struggling Nutrition and environment side, I use, so I use the functional diagnostic nutrition, so I use lab testing, but I also use energetic testing, so some people, um, sometimes, so I use a little bit of both, so I do kinesiology and I use energetic testing. Actually, I'm trained under Dr. Klinghart, so I um, use ART testing, which is uh, autonomic response testing. Um, so basically, some parents um, 
can't afford a lot of lab tests because they are costly. So we, we can cut to the chase a little bit with some. Uh, one good test to start with that's very inexpensive is like the HTMA, so the hair tissue mineral analysis. That, that's a nice, easy one that can be very profound too. Um, but yeah, a lot of the testing, especially the pathogen test, can be almost $400 for the, right. um, for the yeah, testing can testing can be quite expensive for sure. Yeah, so we try, so, um, you know, I'm always looking for ways because I also work with some communities in Mexico. My husband's Mexican and I go all the time and I'm looking for ways that you can help people who don't have any resources. And so, so that's why I do some of that. But, um, but um, as far as what parents can do at home, like you say, like, okay, you know, using a metronome, but so for example, get your kids out in jump rope. Okay, most of the kids who struggle, they cannot jump rope. So get them jump roping. Believe it or not, I mean, it's like a lost art. But, you know, when I was in Japan and you'd watch all the Japanese kids, um, they have these wonderful um, uh, playgrounds and they're all built um, to, um, for balance and, um, you know, coordination, hand-eye coordination. They have all these really cool different uh, playground equipments that we would never have here in the United States. And the kids all, they, they, jump, they jump rope, they walk on stilts, they um, do unicycles, they do pogo sticks, they do all these things that we don't do anymore. And so just getting out the basics, you know, even, I mean, a unicycle, you can go to any like Home Depot-ish type store there and they sell unicycles, you know, and, uh, you know, so. Well, what's funny is our son just started, like just this week with, cause we've been off school, right? Um, uh-huh. we're, we're talking at this time during the, the COVID-19 thing where all the kids are home from school. And uh, he just started just doing the pogo stick. He actually had to jump, go up in our storage and grab something for me. And he brought down the pogo stick. He's like, I want to learn how to do this. He's, he's uh, just ready to turn nine. And uh, within, within the, like the first couple of times, he can only jump like three or four times at a time. And, you know, the other day he said, I quit counting at 500. So basically he's got it mastered. And you can do that within just a short period of time. But it's just a different learning. It's just a different it out then you can do it right yeah and then in juggling there's um there's been some anecdotal uh stories about people who were dyslexic their whole life and then once they started juggling really started you know because you're you have to use both hands and there's just so much going on when you're juggling and there's some great youtube videos on how to juggle so you know, you can uh, juggle or juggling, pogo stick, unicycle, jump roping, any cross crawl mechanism, any cross crawl stuff that you can do, things like that. Anything that you can do that's on two sides of your body that are different. So, you know, when they always did that, you know, like uh, rub your tummy and pat your head or, you know, right. anything that's different, it's causing your cerebellum to, uh, you know, to develop because the cerebellum grows with complex movements. Right. And um, and once anything is automatic, most of us just do things that are automatic. That moves to a different part of the brain. So if we need our and there are kids on the spectrum, they their cerebellums are very compromised, and so um, they're very un, undeveloped. Especially you know, so if we we need to get them, you know, do two things with two sides of your body that are different. And anytime it seems really hard, that's what you have to be doing. And once it seems easy, then go on to something else. And the more so, brain stimulation you get, especially with these kids who are struggling, 
I mean, you, you wouldn't think anything like, how's juggling going to help my kid read? But you know what? Doing those things stimulates the brain, which causes the brain to be able to function better. When the brain functions better, then you're going to be able to do those other things better. Yeah, so and actually, so my last word of advice, or, or just people don't understand, and teach, especially even teachers, because we're under this, you know, dogma or something. But if you're going to help your child, if your child is really struggling to read, the way that you help your child to read is not to read more. It's that you don't help the child learn to read by reading more. You have, you have to figure out what are these underlying factors? What are the parts of the brain that, um, that aren't developed? What do we have to do to help make the connections? And then all of a sudden the reading becomes natural. Reading should be natural, you know? So, um, but what happens is, is as a specialist in a school, I know they, they just say, well, okay, no, now we have to learn. We have to get the kids reading at four earlier because to prevent them, you know, so that they can read, but you don't fix reading by reading. You fix reading by fixing the brain. So. Excellent. One thing I've noticed also with being off right now is that, you know, we put um, a small trampoline in our family room. Mm -hmm. So these things can be like readily available for these kids to be interactive and do things to stimulate their brain. Because right now there's a lot of time that, you know, they're just sitting and watching TV and doing things that are not stimulating their brain like it should be. And we should be looking for opportunities to be able to help stimulate their brain. So the other day I was like, we're putting the trampoline in the family room. And I think that it's just that, one of those little bouncer trampolines. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. But it's like, you know, we have the trampoline out, we have the unicycle out, we have the pogo stick out. Get a long two by four, like a like an eight foot two by four and put it on the on the floor and then oh, use it for a balance beam and then when they um and make sure their feet are one in front of the other and then if that's easy then they look up where they looked at you know or they close their eyes or whatever you know you always make it you know challenge their balance things yeah well our time is up so so um let all the people who are listening just tell give us your information again your website phone number however however you want to be reached so that they can reach out to you if they have any questions or concerns about what they're doing and maybe want to work with you Okay, so my website is wholechildlearningandwellness.com. My um, email is lisa at wholechildlearningandwellness.com. And my phone number is um, 385-484-1499. And you can either text or give me a call. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been really good. It's actually reminded me a lot of the old neural stuff that, that I just, you just forget to do after a while. You just kind of, if you're not doing it all the time, you know, cause there for a while I was doing a lot of neurology in, in my chiropractic office. And a lot of those things are like, oh yeah, I need to start having my kids do this and that. And a lot of it's just repetitive stuff to help them learn and help them do things that are going to change their brain. And that's what this whole thing's about. And that's what you're doing. So thank you so much for what you're doing. And we appreciate you um, being on, the, on our call today. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. See you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Be Healthy Naturally podcast, helping to make natural healthcare the standard, not the alternative. The more knowledge you have empowers you to make changes in your life. And because of this, your life will be elevated. Remember, your health journey is between you and your doctor. 
This podcast is not meant to diagnose or treat any conditions. However, if your healthcare goals are not being met by your current healthcare provider, then take control of your health and please find a doctor who is in harmony with your healthcare goals. If this episode was helpful and if you know anyone who can benefit from our podcast, share and leave a review. Sometimes all it takes to be our best self is just to elevate our learning. Mm-hmm.